you'll see that I've um, come back to St John's Seminary and you re may remember that although it's now sadly closing, uh, I'm very taken with the fact that this was called a community of formation because here people shared together their lives, their work, their learning and their prayer. And in this community, they discovered more about themselves, more about God's calling on their lives and so became even more the person God had called them to be. And from here, people went out to serve God all over the world. Now, I suggested before that maybe over our church door, we should have a sign that says, Welcome to this community of formation. Because it's through our lives together, as a church family, we discover more about ourselves and about God's will for our lives. And we go out to serve him wherever he puts us in his world. I think this is a great time to be part of our church. New and inspiring ministries and initiatives are really coming to life, bubbling up. And it's been my experience that when God wants to do something special, he puts ordinary people together in groups and new ways and gives them a new calling and a new enabling by his spirit and calls them not just to work together, but actually to share some life together. To be not just a collection of individuals, but a community through which he can show his power. Now, as you know, at the moment, we're looking at the story of the Jesus community after the dramatic coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And freshly empowered, the disciples, including John and Peter, are telling people what God has done in Jesus through his death, resurrection, ascension, and the coming of his Spirit on all people, regardless of race, gender, or religious background. And the Jewish community the Jesus community grows rapidly. The established religious leaders, those responsible for having Jesus crucified, are both jealous and fearful. And they issue dire threats against John and Peter in particular. So what happens next? Listen to this. The reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 4 beginning at verse 22, and continuing to chapter 5, verse 16. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heaven and the earth, and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod, and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal 
and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were, in, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. When the young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the piece, the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, 
bringing their sick and all those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. This is the word of the Lord. So what can we learn for our new time here from this new Jesus community through whom God is doing these amazing new things? Well, first, they were united in prayer under the sovereignty of God. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said. In the face of powerful op- op- uh, opponents, people who had had Jesus crucified, they rejoice in the sovereignty of God. Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Sovereign Lord, they think that they have all the power and control. But we know there is no situation where you are not Lord. Lord over all of it. So Lord, we leave you to deal with their threats. But we will pray differently. These opening words, Sovereign Lord, are the key to everything. Whatever people around us are telling us to do, we serve a higher throne, don't we? I heard someone say of the Queen, uh, we bow the knee to her, but she knows to whom she bows the knee. Now, I don't know how you start your prayer, but just try maybe at the start of a couple of days, beginning your prayer, Sovereign Lord, and see if you notice a difference. And then they pray for themselves. And what a prayer that is. In the face of severe threat, how do they pray? Lord, keep us safe. Lord, look after us. Lord, change your situation. Not a bit of it. Oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs of wonders be done through the holy name of Jesus your servant so how would you feel about being part of a community where not just a couple of people prayed like that but everyone prayed like that this isn't just the prayer of a couple of the strong leaders all the believers it says lifted their voice together so no wonder the prayers of the people shook the building where they were now of course God hears our private personal prayer but this isn't just a collection of individual prayers This is the prayer of the whole Jesus community, united in prayer together. So what are you thinking when you say amen to a prayer in church? Now, amen isn't just a sort of liturgical full stop. It's a strong word. It means yes, yes, I agree. So be it. It's our prayer response as a community together. So here's a community that celebrated that God is king and his kingdom is over all. But here's the next thing. They were united in a shared sacrificial lifestyle. All the believers were united in heart and mind, it says. Wonderful, how lovely. But it wasn't just feel good. They was do good. They shared everything they had. Because those who owned land and houses would sell them and bring their money to put at the feet of the apostles and to give to those in need. They didn't have to, they just wanted to. And the result, it says, there was no needy people among them. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Escalating uh, inflation, no needy people among them. I think it was Nick yesterday in his helpful prayers who 
spoke of God, bringing together the physical and the spiritual. And that's always the way. David last week talked about what have we got in our hands that God can use? Well, here people saw that they had land and houses in their hands that God can use. They took them out of their own hands and put them into God's hands. As the church develops, uh, it seems that this sell-everything policy seems to change too. But the commitment to sacrificial generosity and to meet surrounding need remains throughout the whole of the New Testament. So this was not just a sharing of money. It was a sharing of lives. No needy person among them. An act of commitment of one to another, regardless of wealth or status or background. God's great blessing, it says, was upon them all. Now this shared community life made a huge impact on the people around them. People saw the way the community treated one another and they wanted uh, and start asking questions. What is going on with these people? Why are they doing it? Rich people are doing something about needy people. Here's a community committed to dealing with poverty. Why are they doing that? Now, by contrast, I guess all of us will hold our breath over the description of Ananias and Sapphira. And Peter saying, you have sinned, you will die. You have let Satan fill your hearts. Lord, if you mark our transgression, who would stand? So what was happening here? The simple facts are that they sold some land. They said they'd given everything to the community, but they kept most of it for themselves. They wanted to appear to be totally committed. In fact, they were severely compromised. And Peter says, you weren't just lying to us. You were lying to the Holy Spirit. Lying and hypocrisy when God's way is truth and integrity. The Jewish leaders threatened this community from the outside. Ananias and Sapphira threatened this community from the inside. But what does this say about the Jesus community itself? I think it's this. God is saying that the new resurrection community are my holy people. And if you sin against my church, you sin against me. These are the new holy people of God. These are my people, says the Sovereign Lord. And so here was God underlying in the early stages of this holy people's life the awesome nature of the people of Jesus, his church on earth. In fact, in these verses, the word church is is used for the first time in Acts to describe this community. So here is God saying to his people, This is how seriously I take you. This is how seriously I take those who corrupt you. So this is how seriously, this is seriously how you must take yourself. God's church is the most holy thing on God's earth. And in this episode, I hear God saying that his church is not any old group of people. Church is just not another social gathering. Do not play games with them or take them for granted. I am a holy God, and my holiness rests on these people. Do not presume upon a holy God, or on my holy people. So here's a community who takes who they are, and who they were called to be, as the most serious calling on their lives. It's the highest calling, and looks for the highest response. 
not just a meeting on Sunday, but a calling over all of their life. United in prayer to the Sovereign Lord, united in commitment to a generous lifestyle to one another. And then, united in releasing ministry. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Now, of course, Peter and John were enabled by the Spirit to preach as they did, to act as they did, but it was all based on and came out of the life of the Jesus community. They pointed to what God was doing in the Jesus community so that people were added to the Jesus community. And the apostles did what they did, but it was from being part of the community that enabled them to do it. And they did it in the name of the Jesus community and of Jesus itself. So here's how God can use a committed community to show his power in the surrounding community. The apostles, it says, were performing many miraculous signs and wonders amongst the people. Crowds came from the villages about, around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. And they were all healed. I've been privileged uh, many times to be part of groups of people who God has brought together for a specific time. And I know that when I was in such a group, I found myself doing things that I never thought I would be able to do or be capable of doing. I had a real sense of being set free by being part of this group. And these groups were able to do much more together than any one of us could have done on their own. These are dramatic times in Acts. But we can all share stories from our own everyday experience about how small things can make a real difference for God. Uh, One of the reasons why we continue ourselves to be COVID cautious is because of major underlying health needs in the family. But Jean was having her hair done. I guess there's a more technical term for it than that. And she was sharing with uh, her hairdresser. uh, And it turns out that her hairdresser's wife was also uh, suffering from major health needs some time ago back. And it turns out that she is a committed member of one of the churches in Guildford. And then he said this, I'm a bit ambivalent about God myself, but the care we received from the church community made a real impact on me and really made me think. Yeah, all of us can tell similar stories to that. But we should never underestimate uh, the significance of them. I just went on a rotor to provide a meal for someone who was ill. Yes, but it was noted and noticed. I guess the technical phrase is that I knew the power of the collective. These outcomes were not about me or because of me, though I was part of them. It was what happened when a group of people committed together to serve God in a particular way. And I look back on those times as golden times exhilarating, powerful and often very good fun so today's passage is not just about God's power in me it's about God's power through us quite rightfully we often focus on our personal response to God and that's important yet yet so often we can feel come with a sense of inadequacy or helplessness it's just me, what can I do? but today's passage turns that question on its head it's not what can I do but what can we do What can we make together? Let's pray together, talk together, dream dreams together. We're so much stronger together.
no egos about who is doing what, no prejudice, whatever people's background, ability or circumstance in life, and no pressure to be or to do anything. Just a freedom to be and to do everything. Now, this is, you see, a communion service. And by its very name, it's a community activity. And here's the church family breaking bread together around the family table. And it's a place where we renew our commitment to God, yes, but commitment to one another too. Now, out of this little Acts community, from ordinary, often uneducated people, but transformed by the Holy Spirit, came the worldwide Church of Christ today. There's a direct line of connection between this little group in Acts and us here today. Now, as I say, I think God is doing a new thing amongst us, and he's putting together people in, in new ways in order to do it. Uh, there will be communities within our overall community. There'll be a pastoral care community, a messy church community, a churchyard community, a worship group community, a chatterbox community, a vicarage hospitality community, a Thursday morning community, and many, many more. There'll be home group communities dotted all over the place where God's people are. But they won't just be groups doing a job. They'll be communities sharing God's life and God's love together. All doing different things, but all marked by courageous prayer, generous sharing, and releasing of gifts and ministries. I'm excited by what I'm seeing and looking forward to what happens next. So I'd like to end by inviting you to reflect for a moment on three posters from the Christian Publicity Organisation. Now, I like these because they're about values, not actions, about how we can be, not just what we can do. But as you look at them, could you ask yourself two questions? What would I like to see more of? And whatever comes to mind, please tell us. And then... What can I give more of? And again, please tell us.